Realtor.com is making a stand for buyer representation, and you can too. Join Realtor.com in sharing the list of 111 things buyer's agents do. Visit Realtor.com slash buyer agent toolkit to help spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. Not to sound like a broken record, but a lot of teamages that have put all of their lead volume into that aggregator bucket are hitting up against the wall right now. When I first got here and I talked to a majority of these market centers and asked them, you know, what percentage of your lead volume is coming from an aggregator ecosystem? A lot of times they would tell me 90% of my lead volume is dependent on an aggregator, which means, you know, 90% of their lead volume has a 35 to 40% price tag on it at the closing table. Where we've been shifting that pendulum is that 80% of their date, you know, lead volume should come from self-source lead aggregation, so to speak, right? Uh, your database should be 80% of your lead volume. It's fine to have 20% living there, but don't let, you know, an, an outside ecosystem control the opportunity and the revenue you can bring. That's what we've been coaching through for a lot of these market centers. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, Senior Director of Data and Content, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share trends, secrets to success, and lessons they've learned navigating this ever-changing industry. Hi, it's Tracy Velt, Senior Director of Data and Content for HousingWire. Today, I'm speaking with John Gibson, Senior Vice President of TPO Lending at Flagstar. What Flagstar products are making a difference for brokers in this market? Yeah, I love this question because we've really expanded our product line over the last three or four years. As I mentioned before, kind of think of it as a one-stop shop, right? We do your traditional book of business, your agency, your government, but we've also expanded into specialty lending areas. So for example, um, we offer a construction product, which is one of a kind in the industry from a standpoint of brokers having access to that product. We offer non-QM products like bank statement loans. We offer... Uh, we were one of the first to offer standalone HELOCs to the broker community to help in a rising rate environment. They, the business partners stay in touch with their, with their borrower. And then we're going to continue to do that and pushing the envelope with things like rolling out more non-QM products. And then Tracy, last thing I would tell you is, I think this goes unsaid and, and shame on us, but we're really good at government lending. From an FHA and VA perspective, I, I would put our underwriters and our process up against anybody's. I think we're a subject matter expert, and I think that brings a lot of stability to our business partners. Thanks, John. For more information, go to flagstar.com backslash Y. That's flagstar.com backslash W-H-Y. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, growth, trends, and strategy. I'm your host, Tracy Velt, Senior Director of Data and Content for HousingWire. And today, I would like to welcome Michael Ward. He is the Director of Teamerage for Keller Williams. And we are going to talk all things teams right now. So uh, welcome, Michael. Hi. Thank you so much, Tracy. I'm excited to be on. Sure, I kind of sounded like a, a you know a, um, game show host there. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all right. It gets you excited. Now we're focused. You and I know that's where we right. are and what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, from the beginning, Keller Williams has kind of been a leader in teams and the team concept throughout the years. Um, so I wanted to 
you know, a lot of brokers shy away from it. And I've talked to a lot of brokers through, um, you know, my years in the business who are like, I'm never going to have teams and some of them who gave into the concept of it. Um, so tell me a little bit about why Keller is so heavily invested in teams and then we'll get into team ridges, um, from there. So sure. Yeah. You know, it's a great question. Obviously we're known for, uh, you know, we're the brand for real estate teams. That's something that we're, we're well aware of. And that's, you know, we keep attracting top teams to our brand. You know, we just had Wilson long out of, uh, South San Francisco join our, our, our ecosystem. We've had teams from Arizona, California, or Colorado, Louisiana. These are hundred million, $200 million teams. You guys have the data on all of that. So, Obviously, Keller Williams um, feels really comfortable in that team space. And so we understand that with the team model, it works so well that we wanted to bring that into our ecosystems of our market centers at a high level. And um, we're really excited to do that with TeamRidge. Okay, so let's define TeamRidge because I've heard multiple um, definitions of it. So tell me how Keller Williams defines the team. Merge. Yeah. So really team merge is just a simple concept. It's not really as complex as everyone's making it out to be that we're just delivering leads to designated agents in a market center. And then we coach those agents to convert those leads at a really, really high level. That's really as simple as it is. It's not more complex than that. Okay. And so where do you see, um, you know, I see a lot of growth in, in teams and team merges. And I guess, you know, you simplified that definition, but is a teamerage basically feeding all the leads through one team leader in your definition? You know, I, I think the way that we actually define it is that the market center takes control of the leads, right? They're bringing in and creating their own market center database and, and they're nurturing them and working them just like we would typically see any team or any, you know, mega agent doing. And then with that, they're they're getting to a place where they then have one leader that takes those leads and coaches an, a defined agent to close on those opportunities. So um, I guess in this sense, you know, you don't necessarily have one person; you have a whole market center that's there to support. Okay. And why do you think that concept is growing uh, around the country? Because I do feel like from when I first started in in reporting on real estate to now, that concept has just blown up. Yeah. That's another good question. I honestly think that, you know, market centers are ready to take control of the lead volume that's out there. Right now, you see a lot of aggregators that um, the, the ecosystem is kind of unbalanced, right? Uh, a lot of them are no longer offering seats. And and when, you know, 35 to 40% of your GCI is going to those aggregators, um, it represents a great opportunity for market centers to start becoming, you know, local experts with their databases in their areas. And so I think right now the technology has never been more available than it is. And I think, you know, inclusions of things like AI, et cetera, allow market centers to take control of their lead volume and distribute those to the agents that are really looking to change the trajectory of their careers. And so I think, you know, you're really empowering independent agents to come back into the market centers and, and start to, you know, break new statistical molds. Yeah. I think that's been really the difference between maybe a teamerage and a, a brokerage in my view, and is that, a brokerage isn't necessarily offering leads to the agents, whereas a, a teamerage is um, doing that lead gen. And I want to know from you where kind of Livian fits into that entire um, uh, ecosphere. 
Yeah, I, I'm glad you asked. You know, we're excited about uh, the direction that Livian is going in right now. You know, John coming into the team has been super exciting for us. And, um, you know, contextually, Livian's a, a perfect plug and play for any market center that, um, you know, may or may not have the bandwidth or human capital to be able to operate at Team Ridge, right? We've got Team Ridges that are operating in market centers of 300, 400 agents plus. Then we have market centers that are at 80 and 90 you know, agents, and, and they maybe have a one or two people that are kind of guiding that ship. A Livian model comes in and helps them operationally support a Team Ridge model, as well as giving great coaching and, and the lead volume and the expertise in driving lead volume that they may not already possess. And so it can be a really big game changer for those market centers that want to take up market share and become industry experts and use that to recruit and retain and, and all the strategic propositions that Team Ridge brings. And in your position, what is your like direct responsibility as it relates to Team Ridges? I mean, million dollar market centers. Every market center, you know, our Thrive Twenty Five goals is to have a million dollar market center uh, or a million dollar you know opportunity in every market center. And so my goal, using the Team Ridge uh, model as a as a tool to drive that opportunity for us, that's really the focus for me. You know, right now we've got over seventy percent of our market centers have adopted a Team Ridge model, and the cool thing about that is, you know, we're seeing some really impressive numbers coming out. Um, with, you know, market centers in Maple Grove, you know, Minnesota, driving over $223,000 in new net profit. Big numbers that we're seeing with regards to database build. You know, we've got market centers in Florida with 150,000 people in their database. When you have that kind of, you know, opportunity to then hand off, they've only got four agents in their team ridge. One of their agents has 183% increase in her production. So that's our drive, right? We want to have a million dollar team ridge in every market center. What, um, if you don't mind me asking, what what team is that in Florida? The OP's name is Janelle Lorenzano, and she is an incredible, uh, you know, incredible leader that you know just put on her growth hat and said, you know, I want to take control of my own lead volume. You know, there was a, a you know just frustrations with the aggregators that were in that area, and for her, it was about becoming a local expert, right? Becoming top of mind for everyone in their areas. And so they've been doing a very methodical, very driven outbound strategy. It, it includes Google pay-per-click and Facebook uh, to define personas with, you know, dialogue that matters, right? And and then they're nurturing those opportunities uh, strategically and consistently. And now their team ridges are, are thriving. Well, I ask because I'm in Florida. That's my, I have a personal reason for asking. Well, if you need so. some, if you need some leads, yeah, you know. <laughs> but I'm also asking because it sounds like she's someone I need to talk to. Um, yeah, it's funny. Team Ridge thrives in Florida. Um, I, I, I think you know, they just there's such an entrepreneurial mindset down there. It's such an incredible market, and a lot of the agents are really hungry and well, you know, willing to innovate. But they also seem to just have this drive of uh, never give up. And so, you know, they're not satisfied with doing, you know, 12 transactions this year because the market dictates it. They want to go back to beating 25 and they'll do twice the amount of work. Yeah. And I think that mindset is so important in today's market, no matter what, um, however you decide to go about it, because I know a lot of agents are getting really frustrated. Um, but the, the agents who are going to gain market share and grow are not thinking about the market. They're thinking about 
you know, how they're going to get business or driving business or building relationships. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, Gary was on stage talking about this family reunion about how, you know, if you did this many activities last year in a great market, you need to double that. Right. And you need but a lot of the people that, to your point, aren't thinking about the market. They made those shifts last year in September and October. They already knew that this year they were going to have to increase their outreach, you know, to 2x. And so, um, you know, there's TeamRidge is a great support tool for that as well. You know, there's a lot of people that are frustrated and hitting a ceiling of achievement. And um, for them to come into an ecosystem or like an incubator within their market center that says, hey, let's sit down and strategically assess your goals and let's, you know, support you to drive your sphere. And we're going to also supplement you with great lead volume that we've procured ourselves and we've been nurturing for you. And let's get you some new, you know, close one transactions under your belt. I think it's a it's a great uh, symbiotic relationship. And what are what are you finding are the top challenges TeamRidge leaders are having, and and what are you doing to help solve for those challenges? Yeah, you know, not to sound like a broken record, but a lot of TeamRidges that have put all of their lead volume into that aggregator bucket are ha- are hitting up against the wall right now. When I talked to when I first got here and I talked to a majority of these market centers and asked them, you know, what percentage of your lead volume is coming from an aggregator ecosystem? A lot of times they would tell me 90% of my lead volume is dependent on an aggregator, which means, you know, 90% of their lead volume has a 35 to 40% price tag on it at the closing table. Where we've been shifting that pendulum is that 80% of their date, you know, lead volume should come from self-source lead aggregation, so to speak, right? Uh, your database should be 80% of your lead volume. It's fine to have 20% living there, but don't let you know an, an outside uh, ecosystem control the opportunity and the revenue you can bring. And so um, that's what we've been coaching through for a lot of these market centers. And that seems like a, a big shift for some people who have relied on those leads for a long time. What, how are you training to help them, you know, move from the aggregator to a self-source lead? Yeah, great question. We've got obviously our command tool here, which is, you know, uh, we're seeing incredible new adoptions of that. And our Facebook ads through command are generating incredible cost per lead. Um, And so we've really been leaning heavily on our technology to leverage that opportunity. Um, You know, so once you're able to do that and just coaching them small things like what are great mofers that you can use on your ads within Facebook ads and command that drive lead volume right? Getting it down to the basics. We're not asking for any kind of aggressive, you know, marketing tactics. Let's just start to, you know, take a, I always challenge these market centers, you know, you can put out, don't just put out a listing to the entire city of Miami and expect to have great conversions. Let's, let's be realistic. Find a persona that's active in your area, deploy an ad through command that makes sense with a mofer that makes sense to those personas and then deploy that out. And And so coaching through things like, what is a mofer? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So <laughs> mofer is is a, is you know if you ever follow Jay or or Gary or any of our top leaders, you know, a mofer is make offer for immediate response. So let me uh, give an example. So first time home buyers, right? A, a, a mofer that I always like to see um, or that I speak about is: Are you tired of renting and ready to buy? Right. Ideally, you're going to say, yes, I am tired of renting and I am ready to buy. But you take a mofer like that and you, 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 you attach it to a great image of a first time home buyer house that you, you've, you've probably sold in the past. Um, 
and with with all you know permissions to use that image, you then deploy it to uh, a specific zip code that actually is applicable to that persona group, right? High, people who are paying a, a large, a high dollar of rent um, and have a large population of them. And let's start to be strategic about our outreach. What we're doing now is we're bringing, you know, what ad are you running and who are you running it to? And we have the tools through command to do that. Then you can leverage and lean into your Google pay-per-click ecosystems, right? I think as well, people um, you know, are starting to really appreciate the value of relationships inside Kelly. Williams to drive things like, you know, leadership databases inside market centers, right? Um, you know, it's just another form of networking and grabbing warm leads from people that you work with inside the market center itself. Uh, we had a great story here where all the leaders within the market center here uh, in Austin, they committed their personal databases to the market center database. And that was what was worked by their team ridge. And one of those ended up closing. And uh, the person that contributed was actually working the front desk of the Keller Williams Southwest Market Center. And yeah, and she had gotten her agent license and, and was able to collect a success fee from that. You know, it, it completely changes the culture inside when everyone is bought into the opportunity Team Ridge represents. Um, so just coaching through things like that, start to think really basic tactics that we already coach agents to do and start applying that at a market center level. And then people put on that we are where entrepreneurs thrive, right? So people put on their entrepreneur hats and before they know it, they're grabbing leads from all over the place and they're really you know, putting them into great uh, outreach strategies. So I have a question about personas because it seems to me that AI might um, be very useful in developing those personas. And I'm wondering what you're doing with, um, you know, AI to do that or what suggestions you have for people who, who want to build those personas in their marketplace, um, but really aren't sure where to start. Yeah, it's funny. So with regards to AI and the inclusion of personas, I honestly think the human component is the most important thing when diving into personas. I think you could probably get more value with a strategic relationship with your lenders and your title partners and even census data to understand what is an active persona in your area, right? But I do think that there are some creative strategies you can use AI tools with to create cool, you know, as we mentioned already, mofers, uh, to then use that, that can result in immediate hand raising. I think that that's a really interesting thing that I've seen done. Um, and then I think, you know, when, when we are looking at these personas from investors and, and first-time homebuyers and downsizers and upsizers, there's different ways to tug at, uh, you know, buyer intent and to, to uh, uh, you know, obtain some sort of seller intent. So I think that that would be the most strategic way I would lean on AI is, you know, you never know when one's going to come up with the perfect words that gets someone to say, yeah, I am interested to work with you guys. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I want to talk best practices. I know that, um, you know, a lot of brokers are putting in, you know, mandatory. I think, actually, I talked to, um, I know John L. Scott Lennox is, he is putting, I think he works with the state to regulate buyer broker agreements um, in the state. Um, but are there any type of training you're giving team ridges on, you know, using those or just in general doing business moving forward? You know, the one thing about it is we let, we let the market centers really dictate that sort of thing for themselves. It's important that every geographical region guides itself based on regulations and what have you. You know, our biggest thing here is to really understand more uh, strategic guidance from like, okay, if we're going to have agents in our team ridge, we need to just outline expectations and accountability measures. That's more what we kind of provide guidance, right? 
Um, you know, we have our KPA process here internally, which is just helps us to understand behavioral patterns or behavioral indicators of all of our agents. It's a really important thing that before you allow an agent in your team ridge, you understand how they learn. Right. And strategically, you use that information as well to help you guide uh, your, your choices of agents that thrive in that model. You don't want to bring somebody in there that may or may not do really well. Um, you know, we with regards to, you know, contracts and things like that, we don't really deal into that. We let the market centers decide for themselves. But I will say there are strategic things like coaching programs. We have Bold, right? And Bold is an, is an amazing thing that we really love because it's, it's a high-level coaching program where the average graduate will do 11 transactions in seven weeks. You know, it's a smart thing to say, all right, we've hand-selected now an agent based on a KPA. We've then, you know, put them into an accountability understanding where they know what the expectations are. Then we provide them really high-level coaching so that we're setting them up for success. And then as a leader, our job, let's bring them great leads and then let's strategically support them uh, and supplement them as they go through that, that career trajectory change. Okay, great. I'm going to get personal here. So um, I want to talk about, I have a couple of questions, but one is, what is the one aha, I'm sure you've had multiple, but what is the one aha moment that you've had in your career that really um, changed your perspective on something, caused you to kind of take another look at something or develop a, a new way of, you know, doing business. Oh my goodness. Does it have to be in real estate? I no, mean, it doesn't. Well, cause I'm an entrepreneur too. So we, our family, we own a brewery up in Canada. I'm, I'm from Calgary, Alberta uh, originally. And, um, you know, one, I can give you one very well defined one. When we opened our brewery in 2019, I can confidently say we did not have a line item in our business plan that said in case of pandemic, you know, incorporate this as an exit strategy. So um, when we opened our doors, you know, obviously a, a majority of our anticipated sales volume was across the counter to our customers. Um, and then when COVID hit, they started shutting, you know, service indoors and all the things that came with that. And we had to pivot immediately. And that meant that we now had to start canning and, and adjusting our business model. Um, but what we did do is we, despite adjusting our business model to, for, for our product to then be made and, and sent out, we never adjusted the why of our business. Our why was always to use beer as a way to drive commerce for our community. And so despite the fact that we may not have had people stepping through our doors to sit and have a pint, we still supported and focused on selling our beer and using that to invest in restaurants and invest in other businesses around small businesses where people could come and feature their products at our venue and, and just never shifting from the fact that our why was not about selling beer. It was about lifting up our community. So I can say confidently, like, you kind of have this, okay, now what moment where you, you, you freak out and go, okay, what are we going to do? Um, but we collectively got back together. We said, okay, this is our why. How does our why still align with the ecosystem we currently find ourselves in? And then from there, we were able to just continue the drumbeat. And we had a lot of success. And we were able to thrive through that. We also went everywhere that nobody was. And I think that too many people forget that. Um, too many times people follow the herd. And when things shut down, all these other small brewers went into the big cities. We actually went into rural communities. We were in every single, and this is a Canadian reference, but we were in every single hockey arena, curling rink, all the things that came with that. We were on every golf course, every small pub. 
and they hadn't seen a beer rep in years. So it worked out great for us that we chose to go everywhere that everyone else isn't. And ironically, not to pull it back, but that's really what we're doing with Team Rich too. You know, we're making a, a, a decision to go in a direction that no one else is in and that aligns completely with who I am. So my next question for you is we talked a little bit before this podcast started. You said Jason Abrams is in the office next to you and, and yeah, literally uh, on the other side of this picture. <laughs> yes. He's very inspirational. Um, and so other than from Jason, where do you look for, for inspiration and motivation? Are there any, um, trainers, any podcasts, any, you know, speakers, anybody, um, that you really look to for inspiration, motivation? Yeah. Um, oh man. So I'm, I'm, first of all, one of our leaders, Sajik Patel is, is an incredible inspirational person, not only from what he's accomplished in his career, but also just based on the, you know, this, he's, he's a COO and he still manages to coach like 30 people. And I don't know how that's possible, but he just, he also gets up at four o'clock in the morning, like a crazy person. So I don't know how you do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, that he's somebody that I, that really inspires me. I also get a lot of inspiration from, um, people like, you know, Simon Sinek, I think is a great leader. Um, I think he's somebody that I identify with on a regular basis because he really gets to the why and, and, you know, human capabilities as on a personal level. I think that that's cool. Um, but I will say that, you know, ever since I came here, the leadership team here has been something that I just love to lean on because everyone is so authentic and, and genuine. Um, you know, Mark King is two offices down and he always has time for not only me, but every single person that comes through here from a team leader skills camp perspective or what have you, which is another one of our coaching programs. They come up and they sign his wall and he is more than happy to give, like literally hand them the felt to do it. Um you know, and which is super neat. You know, Jay Papazan is somebody that I love to lean on, you know, internally because he is such a kind person, but he always like challenges the narrative of what you're bringing and makes you like question what you're doing. And then other than that, you know, I, I get completely inspired by my father and my mother. Uh, at, we started that brewery that I mentioned. And, um, you know, on a personal level, we started that when they were 68 years old. And they're, yeah, and they're now in their 70s. Now we have staff that are brewing and what have you, but they could have easily retired. And instead they said, you know what I want to do? I want to live another dream. And I want to be like the Sam and Diane of our small town. And I want to welcome every single person in with a pint and a smile. That is inspiring to me to be doing that at 70 years old. And um, so those I think are really good. You know, those are, that's my list for now, but it changes yeah. every year. Great list. It's a great list. I love it. And I love that your, your parents, um, you know, decided to do that. And I mean, I mean, I'm sure that it means a lot to the community as well. So. so. Yeah, it does. And, and, and we, we find ourselves as a constant haven for people that are just, um, you know, looking for inspiration. They sometimes come in and pick my mom and dad's brain. And I'm talking about like 20 year old entrepreneurs that are trying to find their way or asking mom and dad how they got started in their careers. And, so it's neat to see the impact it's had. Yeah, that's great. Um, so what about some key initiatives? What are some key initiatives for um, Team Ridges moving forward? Yeah, you know, I mentioned that we've got 70% of our, of our market centers adopted the model. Um, I would love to see that in the 90s. I really would. Um, you know, we... We've seen some incredible shifts and, and I, you know, our Thrive 25 goals of having million dollar team in every market center is an initiative we've got. But I think, you know, more importantly, 
I would personally love to see um, every single one of these T-merges be you know, exceptionally profitable by the end of 2024. I think that that's the goal. Um, that, that to me makes the, the most sense. You know, we have these incredible Thrive 25 goals and I would love to hit every single one of them. But I think more importantly, the narrative that we can get through one of the worst, you know, economic you know, real estate markets in a long time and have all of our market centers have a profitable new inclusion to their market center, to me makes, makes sense and is a massive win, right? And we've got a ton of innovative thinkers in this company that, um, you know, they don't need, you know, another CRM, you know, they don't need another aggregator. They, they just need to know that we're here to support them and that we're constantly innovating to, to be able to add things like TeamRidge that focus on profitability for their market center. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining the Real Trending Podcast. We appreciate all of your TeamRidge uh, inspiration and, uh, and information and, and congratulations on your brewery as well. So Thank you so much, Tracy. If you ever <laughs> want to come up, just message me. I'd be happy to host you and, and pour a pint for you. All right. Well, I'm originally from Buffalo, so we used to go to like Ontario a lot. But um, There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So a little bit different, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.